Hello, everyone, and welcome to The Darkest Hour. I'm your host, Amanda Jane. Either you've heard of or experienced a time where maybe you were seeing what you wanted to see in someone or in a situation. That new apartment that's exactly where you want it to be. Why is it such a good deal? Why is it available? Questions we maybe don't ask ourselves in the moment. Hard lessons learned sometimes. And some harder than others. Tonight's stories, we'll see what happens when things really are too good to be true. And what happens when feelings of paranoia wind up being warranted. So, let's get started, shall we? You had a story on here, one of your older episodes, but I only just heard it recently. The way the person described feeling, I felt that. What they heard. I mean, I wouldn't have believed it two years ago, or I'll say I would have been skeptical. But when I heard their story, it instantly sparked something for me. Legit, I've decided to put it out of my mind at least a majority of the days. In the beginning, it was so I could simply manage existing. I mean, this was just after the peak of quarantine in 2020. Now it's easier to talk about because I've had a lot of talk therapy. And well, let me just go on with the story. So like I said, my city was under a rather intense quarantine period at this time. Ours started closer to April 2020. It was June and I was forced to live alone for a while. My roommate at the time had been visiting her parents. Once she got there, her father was sick, and she opted to stay away for a couple of weeks to be with him. Where we lived, some could consider it the rougher part of town. It was the part that didn't have many churches, but plenty of motels and lots of dilapidated buildings. It was relatively close to where my roommate and I worked via public transportation, a bus stop a few yards from the apartment building's front entrance. We rarely had to walk the area alone or at night. Also, when we were signing the lease, I decided that being on the second floor made me feel better, until of course it didn't. So, it's a Monday. I'm one of two store managers at a local large grocery chain, My store will be shutting down in six weeks, but I don't know that at this point in the story. Either way, I have to go to work, so I mask up, grab everything I need, and as I'm about to head out the door, I feel something lightly blow on my neck and ear. I say lightly, but it actually kind of startled me. There was no real reason to feel a cool breeze this time of year. I shiver and I glance down at the table by the front door. My pepper spray. Huh. I'd been looking for that. Had I found it and forgotten? I grab it, and I head for the bus stop. Get to work, no problem. Start my day. Bing, bang, boom. Day's over before 7 p.m. 
I make my way to the bus stop to head home. Beautiful. I had plans to watch The Bachelor that night, a show I normally don't get to enjoy the night of when my roommate's home. Bus ride is the same as usual. Lots of people, too close for comfort, practically empty by the time we get to my stop. My stop is coming up. I go to pull the wire, but as I do, somebody else pulls it, and I hear the familiar ding that the stop has registered. I'm sort of nosy, so I'm casually peeping around the bus, like, who's this person getting off at my stop? Hope he's cute. Kid you not, those are my thoughts. No one cute on the bus, so that's a shame. I get bored with trying to figure it out, and I just wait for the bus to stop so I can get home. I make a dash for the middle exit of the bus, and I see one other person, a guy, getting off. He's making an even quicker dash towards the bus's rear exit. I figure he's also trying to get home to the bachelor. Not really, but the thought made me smile. That was the last time I'd smile for a while. Once off the bus, I note that the streets were relatively empty. Only a couple walking in the opposite direction on the other side of the street. There's no sign of the man I just saw get off the bus. I thought that was sort of strange. My apartment building is the first real building you can walk into on this street. The stop is practically for our apartment block. He didn't have enough time to get in, did he? I was battling with myself in that moment, saying that any other day would I even notice this? Why do I care? So, I'm now looking down at my phone, scrolling through Instagram, when I get that feeling that someone's close to me. I look up and then around, behind. No one. I remember the pepper spray, which I reach for slowly. I'm holding it in my hand inside my purse. I also leave Instagram and move towards punching 911 into my phone. I'm not even sure why. I walk with this defense until I get to my apartment building. Once inside, I relax a bit and I make my way up the stairs. Someone is following you. I hear these words, but I have no idea where they're coming from. They almost sound like my subconscious, but it's not my voice I'm hearing. I pause and I listen. I hear footsteps in the distance. So I sort of hurry mine. Faster. That same voice. So I ran. I think I hear the footsteps in the distance growing closer, but I'm running so fast that I'm not sure how close or how loud they really are. I don't stop. Once I get to my door, I frantically search for my house key. So I'm no longer holding my pepper spray or my phone. I've allowed them to slip into the abyss of my purse. I see someone round the corner. I don't see their face, only that they have on black joggers, a black hoodie, a face mask covering most of their face, except the eyes. Is it the guy from the bus? I don't know. He makes eye contact with me, but doesn't start to charge me. Just looks and then looks away. Walking, calmly. I've got my keys, I unlock the door quickly, and I just rush in. 
immediately closing and locking the door behind me. I take a stance, peering out the people to see if the man stops. I then press my ear against the door. I can hear the slow creak of the hallway. So someone is still in it. I look back through the peephole, anxiously waiting for him to pass by my door. But he never does. All I can think at that moment is, wow, what a lunatic I am. Poor guy probably just lives in my building and I just look like a crazy lady now. But that voice, what was that voice? Why did I have some weird telepathic warning if it was just nothing? Oh my God, he's probably waiting for me to leave the apartment. So now I'm paranoid, but I don't still hear the voice. So no more warnings. Perhaps I escape the danger. I decide to try to move on to watch my show. For context, at night, when I'm ready to settle down and watch stuff, I usually do this with all the lights off because I like to keep the window open without worrying about others outside being able to see in somehow. We don't have AC in the apartment, so it's pretty common that people keep their windows open or their back door slightly ajar. We didn't have one of those do-it-yourself AC units, so we just kept a fan running near the balcony, which I would usually crack about halfway. We had these small balconies that were more for show than anything else. You couldn't really put any sort of furniture on there or have more than one person out there at a time. From the outside, they looked like little fancy balconies. Look. Fuck. What is this voice? And what am I supposed to be looking at? I freeze. Not that I was moving much anyways, but I mute the TV and I sat in stillness. Slowly looking around the apartment. Not sure what I'm expecting to find. If anything. Then I see him. A man wearing black joggers, a black hoodie, and a face mask covering most of his face. But I can see his eyes, and this time, they keep looking at me, even as he braces himself over the railing of the small four-show balcony. He's staring right at me. Your purse. I grab my purse immediately. I mean, I'm just doing what the voice tells me to do at this point. I dump the contents out of the bag. I can see that the man has a backpack with him, and horrible thoughts race through my mind, and I make a run for it, for the balcony door. Phone in one hand, pepper spray in the other. Should I have run out the front door instead? Probably. But here I was, charging this man. I can see as I'm approaching that he's already got one foot inside the door, so I lunge forward, throwing my entire body weight into the door. It slams his foot. He screams but doesn't move. Instead, he slides his arm in and is trying to whack me upside the head or something. So in this completely jangled position on the floor, I just reach up with my left hand and I start spraying, just pressing down on this button, one I've never actually had to press, with all of the force in the world. 
just when I think I'm going to empty this entire canister on this man, his foot gives and the door slams. In a flash, and without moving my body weight, I reach up and lock the door. Now, I dial 911, stand up and face the guy. He's in wild pain, grabbing his face and frantically trying to reach around for anything that will provide relief. I tell the 911 dispatcher my address first. Then I go into detail about how there's a man frantically trying to break into my apartment. I told her I'm pretty sure he followed me home. She asks if there's a neighbor I can stay with until the police get there. I tell her no, that this could very well be a neighbor. A horrible sound ricochets through my apartment. He's throwing himself into my back door, I explained to the woman. Officers are just a few minutes away. Can you lock yourself in any other room in the apartment? She tells me I should try to put distance between myself and this man. She's right, but my only other option is the bathroom. Do I lock myself in there? Huge crashing sound. I yell into the phone that he's inside, and I run, but not for the bathroom, for the front door. I get the door open and I run into the hall. I still hear the sounds of things crashing in my apartment, and I realize the guy probably still can't see what he's doing. I close my apartment door, and I run up the stairs to the third floor, frantically knocking on every door, waiting for someone to answer. I don't stay in front of any door long enough for them to likely see who's knocking, but I keep going up and down the hallway, knocking, pounding. Okay, officers should be on scene now. You can meet them outside. I hear this coming from my phone. I thank the woman and ask if she can stay on the line until I see the officers. She agrees. A door opens. An elderly man pops his head out into the hallway, asking if I'm all right. I tell him, yes, thank you. The police are here now. Someone tried to break into my apartment. Sorry for banging on the door. Blah, blah, blah. Then, a scream of horror. It's a man's scream. The elderly man looks surprised. The sound is coming from outside, it seems. Ma'am, are you still on the line? I tell the woman yes, and that someone is screaming. She tells me to go ahead and meet the police outside. I thank her, and I disconnect the call. The elderly man leaves his doorway, and out of curiosity, I move towards his apartment. I think they got your burglar, he hollers from inside. I think he jumped. I immediately leave the doorway, run down the stairs, and I see police outside my door, inside my apartment, and near my balcony. They immediately start asking me questions. What's your name? Are you hurt? Do you know this man? But I'm asking them questions too. Where is the man? Did he jump? Did you catch him? What was in his backpack? I had this fantasy, I guess, that they would answer all of my questions right away. But no, they didn't give me his name. They didn't even tell me if he'd jumped. I figured that out three days later when a neighbor confirmed they'd seen the man make the jump, practically into police arms. But he landed bad. Looked like he got hurt, they said. Good. 
I'm sorry, but yeah, bad things happen to good people all the time. It's about time that something bad happens to someone bad. So back to my fantasy. The police will follow up with me every day, check on me. At the very least, they'll want me to go over my statement again. Crickets. Almost ten days goes by without a single word from the police. I called them at least ten times, once a day at that point. I'd managed to get the back door replaced, new locks, the works. I was quite literally only waiting to hear if this maniac was still on the street. Finally, day 14, the day my roommate was scheduled to come back to the apartment, two officers knock on my door. They remind me why they're there, as if I need the reminder. I let them in and they ask if I've had any other issues. You did catch the guy, right? They tell me they caught the guy jumping from my balcony and that that guy was in the hospital. Again, good. The next six to eight months were very rough. The landlord of our building decided to press charges in addition to my charges, so the case became a whole thing. That part is relatively boring and unjust. He was eventually charged with burglary in the first degree, which I was told was a good thing, that he would get a lot more time for that because it was a felony. Except he didn't. He was given the literal minimum sentence of six years. And I know for a fact he was released after serving just a fraction of that. Also, anyone who thinks that you can just get a payday when someone is ordered to pay restitution... Yeah, no. It's far more complicated than that. And other than me not having to pay for my lawyer, I've seen zero dollars and likely never will. Meanwhile, I've put out plenty of money. Someone once said to me that I should just be happy that he didn't touch me. And to that I say, I am happy about that, of course. But I'm still fucking pissed, too. Three years... Burglary? The guy was absolutely not looking to steal anything. Not to mention, he didn't take anything. Such a fucked situation. Now, this guy is likely out there, playing predator to another woman. Makes me sick. And though I seem lucky in this situation, it's amazing how even after being victimized, minding your own business... You continue to be the one to pay for it all. The time and energy that this man has sucked away from me. And he served, what, maybe two years? Anyways, thanks for listening to my story. But honestly, I'd love to know more about this voice I heard. The one that people from other stories have referred to. What was that? Because that shit was 100% real likely saved me entirely, if not a little bit. Even my therapist can't answer that one. So this happened when I was a kid, and my family and I lived in North Carolina. Our house was surrounded by woods and there were only a few neighbors around us. Every once in a while during the night, at around midnight, I would just lay in bed, 
but I couldn't sleep. I felt a creepy vibe, like something or someone was watching me. Sometimes I would hear footsteps coming from the attic above my bedroom. It sounded like someone was walking around. One time, I went outside my bedroom into the hallway, but everyone in my family was sleeping and their doors were closed. So I went back to my bedroom and closed the door. I was laying in my bed again and I heard the footsteps in the attic. Then I heard something fall in my closet. I was so scared that I ran into my parents' bedroom and woke them up. They were confused at first, but then I explained to them what I heard. My mom and dad said it was probably just my imagination, and they didn't believe me. They walked with me back to my bedroom. They looked around my bedroom and then went inside my closet. There was a board game that had spilled all over the closet floor. It was in the back of the shelf, at the top of my closet, so there was no way it could have fallen without someone pushing it off. My parents helped me clean it up and put it back on the shelf. They said there was nothing to be scared of, and they put me back to bed. They went back to bed too, and a few minutes after they left, I heard someone whispering something. It sounded like they were calling my name. Then, I saw a shadow that looked like a person walking across the wall by my closet. I thought it was a ghost, and I started freaking out again. I grabbed my pillow and blanket, and I went to sleep on my parents' bedroom floor. After that, I slept on their floor for a few more nights. Eventually, I went back to sleeping in my bedroom, and when I would lay in bed again at around midnight, I still heard the footsteps in the attic, and that continued every once in a while, until we eventually moved away. To this day, I still don't know what or who that was, but it freaks me out. So this happened April 4th, 2022. My friend and I were on our way back to Kentucky from Columbus, Ohio after a Matt Maltese concert. We got about 20 miles out from the venue and we both decided to stop and grab a snack as well as use the bathroom. We did our business, got our snacks and hopped back in the car and ate. I looked at the GPS and realized it changed our route from the interstate to down some highway. I didn't really question it much because it was already 12 a.m. We were tired and just wanted to go home. We start making our way down the highway when I realize there's literally nothing. No other buildings, no lights along the road. The only place I saw when we got off the exit was the gas station. Just the gas station absolutely nothing else. There were hardly any trees that we could see on our way down the highway, just open and flat fields. My GPS tells me after four to six miles to turn on a small road. 
I thought it was weird that I had to turn on a road that didn't even have two lanes or any lights. Just three sporadically placed houses that didn't even look like someone lived in them. At this point, I started feeling really off. I initially felt weird when we went to the highway instead of the interstate, but thought I was just being paranoid. Now, at this point, I joked with my friend, this would be the perfect place to see a skinwalker. I didn't say the name, just the abbreviation. If you don't know what it is, well, Google it. I've always been superstitious, and I don't even like saying or thinking the full name. I even hate the abbreviations. My friend laughed and said, don't even say that. My GPS tells me that there's a railroad coming up, so I was ready for it. Problem was, I didn't see the railroad until we came right on top of it. The only light coming from my headlights. The train looked abandoned, the carts covered in graffiti, and the wheels corroded to hell. There were no railroad lights, no bells saying a train was coming through, just pitch darkness and silence. My friend and I both felt a chill run down our spine, and we both just knew. We didn't know what exactly, just that we knew. He said my name in a scared tone, and I just knew I had to get us out of there. There was no way forward or around. I threw my car in reverse and quickly backed up until I was at the grass, and I booked it, going 80 down the highway back to the gas station. When we finally collected ourselves, we sat and thought about it. Why would the GPS take us there if the train had clearly been sitting for a while? Wouldn't that road have been closed off? Wouldn't there have been signs saying so? Why weren't the railroad lights on? Why did it reroute there in the first place? Just so many questions. But one thing I noticed is the moment we parked at the gas station and restarted my GPS, it went back to its original route of the interstate. We knew for certain that the train didn't just break down that day and that they left it. It had been sitting for a while. The wheels don't just corrode like that if it was broken down for one day. The biggest issue I have with the situation is that it felt so fake, and yet it was real. It didn't feel real from the moment we left the gas station to the moment that we came back to the gas station. It felt like I was just there, floating and watching. It didn't feel real. Just want to throw this in there. I never really get a feeling like this, and when I do... There's always a reason, and I'm usually never wrong when I feel like this. That's why I feel like we were warranted in worrying so much. It took me crossing past the state line for me to feel safe again. Maybe it was the adrenaline. Maybe we freaked out over nothing. Maybe we were reading into it too much, but I know how I felt, and I know the feeling in my gut was horrible. Thoughts.
We haven't spoken in years, but when me and my best friend Ashley were 15, we spent every day together. I was friends with her older sister, Kelly, too, who was around 17 at the time, and the only other person who lived with them was their dad. Me and Ashley both did online school, so I stayed at her house for weeks on end. Her boyfriend, Brady, lived in the same cul-de-sac as her and came over almost every day. So naturally, all three of us were pretty close. We had a fairly large group consisting of our female friends and his male friends. Her dad went out of town for a weekend, so we decided to all chip in on alcohol and have everyone over. The last person to show up was one of Brady's friends, and he brought two girls who weren't in the friend group with him. One of the girls brought out a Ouija board, so almost everyone followed her to Ashley's basement. None of us besides her really believed in that shit, so all but maybe two or three of us sat around it. When nothing happened, we started throwing insults at the board, trying to taunt ghosts and demons, but... Still, nothing happened, and we continued on with our night. By the end of the night, it was me and my friend Kara and our older friend Melissa sleeping in Ashley's room, and Kelly was in her room with one of her friends. Kelly and her friend were watching a movie, and everyone but me smoked some of Melissa's weed before we laid down in Ashley's room. Half asleep, we started hearing doors slamming from across the hall. We suspected Kelly and her friend until they FaceTimed us from their room, freaking out, doors still slamming in the background. Now that we were sure there was someone in the house, we told them to lock their door, and Melissa pushed a dresser in front of Ashley's door. We called Brady to come over and check the house, and at this point, the door slamming had moved down to the first floor. Everyone who was high, especially Ashley, was super paranoid and scared. Ashley was having a full-blown panic attack. Brady checked the house and found nobody. So we let him into Ashley's room to calm everybody down. He told us that it was probably the cat, which was in Ashley's room, but that he would stay with us for a little bit to make sure. I believed him until I got a Snapchat from him. Only two words, but they hadn't even crossed my mind. Ouija board. The conversation went on, and I was fairly confused as I didn't really remember much of the night. But basically what he told me was that he didn't want to freak out Ashley or the others, but that the girl from the party left the Ouija board in the basement because she believed that we all fucked up earlier when we messed around with it. Not wanting to scare my friends, I volunteered to do another sweep of the house with him before he left, as I was the least scared. Me and Brady left Ashley's room and made a beeline to her basement. Neither of us believed in this shit, but I had to know, and I guess so did he, because we sat next to each other and we put our fingers on the planchette. It flew across the board from Z to O to Z. We both had general knowledge of Zozo, and even though we didn't really know what was going on, we tried to move the planchette to say goodbye, but it resisted. 
both of our hands flew off the planchette as it flew across the board. It paused for a moment before slowly moving to the last O. Brady grabbed it and swiped it across goodbye, and we sprinted up the stairs to the main level. When I got to the top of the second stairs, he yanked me back to the landing and grabbed me by my shoulders. I've seen Brady do a ton of crazy shit, and he'd had a lot of crazy stories, but I think this was the only time I'd ever seen him scared, and he looked fucking terrified. He just kept shaking my shoulders, asking me, were you fucking moving it? And I said no, and I asked if he was, and he said no. We were so scared, but we agreed not to tell any of the others. They made us state our names before letting us back in the room, and they realized something was up with us, but we didn't tell them, and he went back to his house. I refused to sleep for a long time. I heard noises the whole time. Kelly texts me asking if I heard music. I did, but I told her to go to sleep. I fell asleep at some point, but I woke up with three large scratches on my forearm. Brady came over, and together, we told them everything. There was a music box in the unfurnished part of Ashley's basement. Ashley thought that we were pranking her, but Kelly believed us. I stayed with Kelly in her room for about a week after that. Brady FaceTimed us one night after Ashley had fallen asleep, saying he had a bad feeling. I got up to use the bathroom, and a door slammed. I bolted back to Kelly's room and on FaceTime. We watched as an upside-down cross-cut formed on Brady's chest. If I hadn't watched it get larger and worse, literally carving itself into his skin, I would have never believed him. But I did. Weird shit happened all week. Her animals were being weird. The basement door was in various states of open that we never left it in. We burned Sage and Kelly and Ashley's entire house, but when their dad came back, he refused to move his office into the basement like he said he would. Said it had a bad feeling. I haven't talked to Ashley, Brady, or Kelly in years. But I remember almost everything about this. It was my one and only experience where I cannot explain it. I don't know what it was. I don't know what happened. I haven't researched anything about Zozo because... I'm too fucking scared. About 13 years ago, I lived in a really cool loft-style apartment in West LA. I'd just gotten a great job and was feeling pretty awesome about where I was in life. Sure, back then it was slightly easier to afford a place like this on your own in the area, but it was still quite an accomplishment for a 23-year-old me. The place had its initial small issues, but I was completely enamored by the fact that it was mine and where it was location-wise. It was picture perfect. I couldn't see the beach, but I could smell it. 
Probably two weeks into living there, I started hearing noises above me in the loft. As you can imagine, it was slightly troubling since there was no attic. It was essentially the loft and then the roof. Critters? What kind of animals could mimic such a specific sound? The sound of actual steps on creaking wood. Still enamored, I let these noises slide for several weeks and just tried to make the place my own. Then something happened, and I couldn't let it slide. The apartment was a good four stories above ground. That's part of what gave it its charm. I wouldn't have to worry about people being able to just walk up to my window. Yes, I'd lived somewhere where that was possible and had happened. I don't even know how long I'd been living there. A few months for sure, but not quite six months because I know my lease wasn't up. It was my weekend off, so I was up at some crazy hour. Still cooking up snacks and watching TV. I get my popcorn in a bowl, and as I turn off the kitchen light, I catch what I think is the reflection of a woman in the corner of my large front window. I sort of pause and turn the light back on. Still there. As the face slowly starts to fade away, I just stand there. This happens not once, but three times. Each time I try to debunk it before it fades. But I don't get the chance. I figure it has to be coming from somewhere else because three times in one night is unreal. I choose to forget about it after it doesn't show up again. But as I'm trying to fall asleep that night, I hear the same sounds above me that I've heard for months. But it hits me different this time. It feels like somehow the steps are closer to me. Something urges me to look out my window. I both don't want to and want to at the same time. So I look. Horrified. I see the same face. But this time, it's in the top right corner. Upside down. As though it's peeking down from the roof. I felt a sort of nauseating wave of anxiety. It washed over me. My skin felt hot. I couldn't bring myself to look away. A woman's pale face, almost bloated like she'd been submerged in water. And then the face slowly moves out of frame. It doesn't fade quite like the last time. I didn't sleep that night. I kept looking at the window, but she never appeared again. I would have dreams about her, though. The same pale, bloated face. She was soaking wet, and she never said a word. I just felt this overwhelming feeling that she was real. After that night, everything was really getting to me, and I knew I had to get out of there. I wasn't sleeping. The noises were getting louder. At least they felt that way. And it also felt like I wasn't alone. I hated the feeling. If this thing needed help, 
I guess I just wasn't the person for the job because I broke my lease. It took some pleading and negotiating with my landlord, but in the end, it worked out. I got myself a much less haunted place. It wasn't as nice, but at least I was actually alone. I took a trip with my friend to visit her family for a few days. The first night, we took her car for a test drive after we helped her dad, around 1 a.m. The city was built on Native American burial grounds. Most graves were dug up and dismantled, so hauntings were common and invited more bad hosts. Anyway, as her dad was talking about his experience with stuff here, he mentioned... La Lechuza, a witch from Mexican folklore that takes the form of an owl. And as he started to talk about her, a giant owl swooped in front of us, nearly hitting the owl. We all just shut up for a minute. Then we see another giant owl later on, a sign in a residential area to confirm it was an owl He pointed a flashlight at it, but it refused to turn on again and again. When the owl flew away, it decided to turn on. And that's when we all agreed to go home. Later that night, I got high with my friend, and after a while, we go our separate ways. I'm in her brother's room playing Xbox, still pretty high. Her brothers leave to go downstairs... While I'm there alone in the dark with the screen on, she's in the room next to me and texts me. Hey, are you upstairs by any chance? I say, yes, why? Moments later, a black transparent figure slowly walks in front of the TV and with the blink of an eye, it's gone. I got scared so I left to where my friend was. I thought, man... Maybe I'm tripping. She told me she heard footsteps upstairs when her brothers were already downstairs. I wasn't walking. Later, everyone is in the room with us, having a good time. Then her youngest brother comes running upstairs, crying and all scared. He said he saw a black, transparent figure, face and all, trying to reach out towards him coming from the downstairs garage. Her dad told us prior that the house had something that hadn't disturbed them like this, like it did tonight at all. I just didn't want to believe it. We all slept in the living room together after because three of us confirmed we saw and heard something. Crazy night. I still kept going over there, though.
Well, friends, it appears we've reached the end of tonight's episode. But be sure to join me every Friday night for a brand new one. I want to thank those who shared their stories. And a big thanks to all of you for listening. Don't forget to like this video. Subscribe to The Darkest Hour and tap the bell so you never miss a thing. I sure do appreciate all of it. And I can't thank you enough. Huge shout out to all of my patrons for their unwavering support. Misanthropia, Monica L., The Dark Cosmos, Zoe Watt, Rat Girl, and Alicia S. Remember, if you want to support The Darkest Hour in other ways, you can join my Patreon too. Check out patreon.com slash thedarkesthour to learn more about the perks of joining. You can follow me and keep up with all things Darkest Hour over on my Instagram at thedarkesthouryt. Do you have stories like these? I'd love to share them. Send them to me. Amanda, darkesthour at gmail.com or on the Darkest Hour subreddit, thedarkesthouryt. Stay spooky. <laughs>